Hi, I'm Dawn, and I'd like to tell you about our lead pastor. He preached his first sermon when he was four years old. He was guest speaker at youth rallies at the age of seven. Age 17 was a momentous age because that's when he met and married me, his wife of nearly 51 years. He received his license to minister and began pastoring his first church. What a great year that was. 17 must be his lucky number. At age 23, he completed his studies and was ordained with the Assemblies of God. In the past 50 years of ministry, he has traveled and spoken in churches all over the U.S. and Canada, but his real heart was for pastoring. He has pastored some great churches in three different states, Oklahoma, Kansas, and finally arrived in Texas, where he has lived for 40 years. That was the fastest he could get here. This is his home. He has a heart for missions and the missionary. He has had many opportunities to travel the world, and he has ministered in 18 countries, including Pakistan, Indonesia, and India. He has a true shepherd's heart. He's the only pastor I have had for the past 50 years, and I've never once considered changing churches. He loves pastoral ministry, and he leads his congregation with integrity and diligence. He loves his people with a passion, all of them, even the more difficult ones. He considers his two greatest accomplishments to be his son and his daughter. He has been my greatest mentor since I was 17 years old, and I know that he has shaped my core values and my confidence and my sense of who I am in Christ. He has led his family well. I'm so proud and so honored to introduce to you for his final sermon as lead pastor of the Grace Place, my husband and our pastor, Mike Benson. Wow. 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 First of all, to my wife. Wow. That's the great. That's the greatest honor. That's the greatest honor. Focus. <laughs> How's everybody doing? <laughs> we doing all right? All right. Amen. Good to see you. Wow, this is, this is incredible. Incredible. Must be Easter or something. <laughs> Amen. Hey, before we get into the word, let me just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we reached and exceeded our goal for Global Impact Month for our one-time offering. $32,000 in one month given by this church. Amen. That is so, so exciting. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We always 
reach our goal. We really, really do. And, uh, and I just uh, thank you so much for that. And God bless you. And I know multitudes are going to know Christ because uh, of the investment that we have we have made. All right. Amen. All right. Are you ready for the word? All right. Amen. Well, today we celebrate the most important day in the history of man, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, the truth is without this day, we would have absolutely nothing to celebrate. Without this day, we would all be totally lost and without hope. Can we just take a moment this morning and just celebrate this day and what it represents? Come on, let's celebrate this morning. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your your life, death, and your resurrection. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about why this day is so significant. I want to begin by reading some scripture. First Corinthians chapter 15, reading verses, uh, chapter 15, reading verses 17 through 19. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Well, Paul minces no words here about the significance of the resurrection. In today's message, I'm going to give you four reasons why the resurrection was so significant. Reason number one this morning is this, and that is it sealed our salvation. Yeah, the resurrection sealed our salvation. See, a seal on a document makes it official. Uh, It it makes it complete, such as the president's seal. Without it, there's no merit or authority. It's the seal, the seal that makes it legit, makes it official, makes it the real deal, makes it the finished product. The truth is, our world knows many religions. And many false religions claim to provide salvation for their followers, but but there is no seal. There is no seal in their religion. All religions have their list of do's and don'ts, and every religion makes its claims, but only, only Christianity claims and can prove that their Savior not only died for them, but three days later, he arose from the dead. And it's not just his life and his death that are significant. He he produced the seal of salvation through his resurrection. The resurrection is the seal of salvation. It's what seals the deal. It's what makes it complete. Here's what we need to understand, and that is the cross without the resurrection would be insufficient. And that's hard for us to fathom and realize, but it's exactly the truth. The cross without the resurrection would be insufficient. Paul made this plain and clear. We read it a moment ago, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and 17. If Christ has not been raised, Paul says, then your faith is useless. And you're still guilty of your sins. You cannot be any plainer 
than that. First Peter chapter one and verse three says, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because, because what Peter? Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The cross without the resurrection would be insufficient, but oh, 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 let's not discount the cross. Let's not minimize the significance of the cross and all that it represents. No, no, both are equally important. The unequaled pain and shame of the cross and those who would experience it. To understand the cruelty of the cross is to understand that it wasn't merely an instrument of execution and and capital punishment. No, 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 it was an instrument of torture. No other means of execution can even, can even come close to the inhumane pain and, and suffering and excruciating torture that the cross was designed for. The executioners were experts in creating torture. They, they, they were well trained in exactly where and how to position the arms and the legs of the one being crucified in order to produce the maximum amount of pain and suffering possible. Death was actually welcomed by those being crucified because the torture of the cross was far worse than the death it would eventually produce. And for Jesus, it wasn't just physical torture that he had to endure, but but far, far worse than this was the fact that, that in order for him to become our Savior, For him to take the full punishment for our sins, he had to have all of our sins placed upon him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And Isaiah prophesied and Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 6 that God poured out on his son Jesus the sins of us all. Let me remind you of an illustration that I've shared with you in the past, but some will hear it for the first time. When my kids were just little bitty, I mean they were just little bitty, I would teach them things. One of the things that I taught my children when they're just a little bitty, and then I would teach them, and then I would bring them before an audience and have them perform. <laughs> but one of the things that I would teach them, I would bring them out, and I would, I would ask them, I would say, um, how much do you love your grandma? They'd do that. How much do you love your grandpa? They'd that. i say, how much do you love your daddy? And how much do you love your mama? (laughs) Well, my kids grew up, got married, and had kids. So my wife taught our grandkids. And I went home from work one day, and as I walked in, my, uh, my grandkids were there, and my 
my, my wife hollered from the living room, honey, come into the living room. And I came into the living room and here were, they, here were my grandkids, just a little bitty, just a little bitty, bitty. And, and grandma said, how much do you love you, mama? How much do you love your daddy? How much do you love your Grammy? How much do you love your Papa? Paybacks are tough, right? Oh, listen to me this morning. The world asked Jesus, Jesus, how much do you love us? And Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross. And Jesus said, I love you this much. This much. Oh, no, sir, we can in no way discount the value and the significance of the cross. And yet, my friend, the cross by itself, the cross without the resurrection would be insufficient. The resurrection sealed, sealed our salvation. Let me give you another reason why the resurrection was so significant, and that is because it sabotaged Satan's schemes. John 10 and 10 says the thief or Satan comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. And Luke chapter 22 verses 31 and 32 says Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, oh, Satan has asked to have you so that he might sift you like wheat. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Listen, friend, we need to be aware of this, and that is Satan is intentional in his plan to destroy our life. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8 says this, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Verse number 9 says, Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Oh, listen to me, friends. The devil is real. I said the devil is real, and he knows that his time is limited. He knows that his ulti- what his ultimate fate is, and he is doing as much as he possibly can to take as many people as he can down with him. Listen, friend, the devil is not your friend. That's right. That's right. He's not your friend. He's your enemy, and he wants to take you out. Some of you here today have been listening to his lies. Some of you have been partying in his camp. Some of you are flirting with disaster. Friend, through the life and the death and the resurrection of God's one and only son, Jesus, Satan's scheme has been sabotaged. Listen, friends, Satan is a three-time loser. He was defeated in the past, he is defeated in the present, and he will be defeated in the future. Do not align yourself with a three-time loser. Don't let him take you or your family down with him. He is intentional in his plan to wreck your life. He wants to wreck your marriage and bust up your home. He wants to get you addicted to alcohol or drugs or porn. He knows how devastating these addictions can be. He wants to cast doubt on your faith. Oh, Christianity is all made up. He whispers in your ear. You're a fool, a literal fool to believe in God and believe in Jesus and believe in heaven and hell. How foolish of you. 
For others, he tries to make you bitter towards God by constantly asking questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? Oh, if God really loved you, he would do something about the situation that you are in. Why doesn't God answer your prayers, he says? And why did this happen to you? You've done everything right, so why is everything going wrong? Through the resurrection, Satan's schemes have been sabotaged. Because of that, he must lie, and he must deceive, and he must use trickery. Don't fall for it. I'm talking about the significance of the resurrection this morning. It is significant because it sealed our salvation. Oh, it is significant because it sabotaged Satan's schemes. And the third reason why the resurrection is so significant is because it shattered the potential of sin. Let's take a look at some absolute incredible scriptures. First of all, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 17, Paul writes, and Paul says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And verse 21 says, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And another, Romans chapter 6, verse 6 through 11 says, says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we, will, we know we will also live with him. And we are sure of this. Why? Because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Wow. Can I read one more? I'm going to anyway. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 3 says the law of Moses was unable to save us. Why? Because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did. Say God did. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. What is the significance of the resurrection? The completed work of salvation, including God the Father's seal of approval, it shattered, it shattered, it shattered the potential of sin. If we could only comprehend the powerful potential of sin, 
If we could, we would stay as far away from it as we possibly could. Somebody said that sin will take you farther than you intended to go and it will keep you longer than you intended to stay and and it'll cost you more than you intended to pay. Just ask some Bible characters if that's not true. People like Samson, people like David, people like Judas. But I ask you this morning, who do you know? Who do you know who only intended? Their only intention was simply to babble, to uh, to dabble, just to dabble, just in a little sin for just a little while. But sin is like quicksand. And once you're in it, there is a strong downward pull. How many people have allowed sin to totally wreck their life? It began with just a little flirtation with somebody at work. It ended with a divorce and the loss of a wonderful family. It began with with simply partaking of something in order to fit in, to get along, to go along, to get along. So I will fit in and not stand out. It, It began with partaking of something in order to fit in. It ended up an addiction. It began out of curiosity, but led to compulsion. I cannot adequately describe the unlimited potential of sin and the devastation it can cause. Oh, I know I'm going old school today. Nobody talks about sin anymore. We better. We better. If we only understood the potential of sin the devastation it can cause, ultimately taking you to an eternal hell, banishing you forever from God's presence, sealing your forever fate in a lake of literal fire to be tortured forever and ever and ever and ever. Pastor, pastor, do you really believe this? Do you still believe this, pastor? Absolutely, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. The potential of sin and all of its evil effects has been shattered by the life and the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's our choice. It's our, it's our choice. We can choose to believe this or we can choose not to believe this. Oh, to believe, to believe, to have faith shatters the potential of sin in our lives. To choose not to believe will allow sin to shatter us. 
Romans chapter 3 verse 25 says, For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. In verse 26, God declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. We're talking about the significance of the resurrection this morning. I'm giving you four reasons why, why the resurrection is so significant. Number one is it sealed our salvation. Number two, it sabotaged Satan's scheme. Number three, it shattered the potential of sin. And number four this morning, oh, oh, I love number four. It satisfied God's required payment for sin. Romans 6 and 23 says, the penalty for sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Catch this, catch this, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through good, through good works? Through dotting all of our religious I's and crossing all of our religious T's? Through what? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ satisfied God's required payment for sin. Look at these verses. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 13 says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again and again, which can never take away sin. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. (laughs) Oh, then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he awaits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. Yeah, no amount of sacrifices could satisfy God's required payment for sin, and no amount of good works or good deeds on our part can either. Listen, friend, we cannot pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. There's nothing that we can do to merit salvation. There's nothing that we can do to to, to win God's approval. There's nothing that we can do to conquer our sin, but the good news is it's already been done for us through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. On our own, we are doomed to a Christless eternity, being forever punished for our sin. But God, (laughs) but God, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son so that whoever would believe upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. What man could never do for himself, God did for him through his son, Jesus Christ, through his life, through his death, but also through his resurrection. The resurrection was the final ingredient in the purchase price of our salvation. The takeaway for the message this morning is this, the significance of the resurrection is both earthly and and eternal. The resurrection affects me here and it affects me in eternity. That's right. Amen. Because the resurrection is, 
is the seal. It seals the deal that through the help and the grace of God, I'm able to live above sin and walk in righteousness. In fact, the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ. The significance of the resurrection is both earthly, but it's eternal. It's the seal. It's the seal. Oh, it's what lets us in. It's what gets us heaven. It's what gets us eternity in the presence of God. Friend, not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we are also free from their consequences. If we place our faith in Christ and keep it there. If we place our faith in Christ and keep it there. Father, I thank you today for your word today. Not not the sermon that I put together, but your your infallible, life-altering, life-changing, miracle-working word. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you will do what I am unable to do today. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this room this morning, God paid such an incredible price for your salvation and he offers it as a free gift. And all that you have to do is to receive the gift that has been brought to you. Let me share one last time, Ephesians 2 and 8. It says, by grace are you saved through faith. So according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, there are two requirements for salvation. The first one is, is God's grace, and God's grace is what we've been talking about today, God's free gift through His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross and through His resurrection. That's God's free gift. That's God's grace doing for us what we could not ever do for ourselves. God's grace alone will not provide salvation, but it's by grace. Are you saved through faith? It takes your faith. Yes, it takes God's grace, but then it takes your faith in God's grace. And if you'll place your faith in God's grace and you'll keep your faith in God's grace, you will be saved. And you'll have heaven to look forward to in all of eternity to be blessed with. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this room this morning, if you're here today, and you never have or you're not totally sure this morning about your standing with God today. You're not sure if you were to die in the next five minutes. You're not sure if you'd go to heaven or you'd go to hell. But you want to be sure. I can help you be sure. This morning you want to give your life to Christ. If you want to put your faith in God's grace for your salvation, if this is you in this room this morning, would you lift your hand up really high this morning and let me recognize that you have lifted a hand. I will not call you forward or call you out or embarrass you in any way, but I will help you place your faith in God's grace for your salvation.
Anyone that is watching on live stream today, you can do the very same. Just put your faith in God's grace. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and you will be saved. Can we all stand for just a moment this morning in the presence of the Lord, everyone standing? Your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed this morning. Nobody is looking around this morning. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. You'll take some courage this morning to answer this. I'm going to ask you this morning, you're in this room this morning, and you, you recognize, you realize that you've been walking too close to the line of sin. You've been walking too close to the line. And today is the day that you're going to recognize and realize that, and you're going to pull back so far back from that line. Is there anyone in this room that you would acknowledge that? Lift your hand this morning. Not going to recognize you. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. It takes courage. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hand down. How many others this morning? I've been walking too close to that line. Let's go take a a lot of courage this morning, but as your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed this morning, would you recognize and would you would you admit this morning by lifting your hand, Pastor, I've crossed over that line. I've crossed over that line. I recognize it. I don't like it. Today, with God's help, I'm going to repent today. And I'm going to get back where I need to be with God. I'm going to get back where I need to be. Would you, would you respond this morning all over this room? Would you be bold enough? Nobody's looking. Nobody's going to see. Lift it up. Lift it high. Let me recognize somebody's lifted their hand. Anyone? I mean, I've, I've crossed over that line. I've crossed over. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? I've crossed the line. I've crossed the line. Thank you. Me others this morning. I've crossed the line. I've crossed it. If you've crossed over that line, let me just encourage you to repent. Repent. Do two things. First of all, acknowledge, yeah, I've crossed the line. Yes, I've been where I shouldn't have been. I've done what I shouldn't have done. I've whatever. I've crossed the line. And I'm sorry for it and acknowledge it and say, God, I, I admit it. I've, I've, I've crossed the line. I'm sorry for it. Be genuinely repentant, genuinely sorry for it. But repentance literally means to turn about face. It means I've been walking north and now I'm going to walk south. I'm going to make an about face. I'm going to walk in the opposite direction. So I'm going to turn around. For, I've crossed the line. I've crossed the line. And I'm going to turn around. And I'm going to walk back to where I was. God, I just pray today, Father, for those that have lifted their hand this morning for, for whatever, Lord, that reason that they, that they lifted it, God. God, for those, Lord, that have been walking too close to the line of sin, whatever that, whatever that uh, variation of sin might be in their life, God. God, thank you for, for helping them today, Father, to realize and recognize where they are. And for having a, a desire to pull back, to pull back and get as far away from sin in that line as possible. 
And for those that have been bold enough to acknowledge that they have they have crossed the line. God, help them today to repent, to be sorry, yes, but not just to be sorry, but to make an about face and, and go back to where they one time were. Father, you're blessing upon each one. And God, I believe today, and, 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 and Lord, I'm just trusting you, Lord, today that, Lord, that many seeds have been planted today. Lord, I, Lord even though there are those that did not respond publicly, Lord, to, to salvation, but seeds have been planted And I pray that those seeds will continue to grow. And God, you said to pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Oh God, I pray for laborers to come alongside and to water and to fertilize those seeds that have been planted and to see that seed turn into fruit, the fruit of salvation. We ask, Father, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.